So our reading today from Hebrews, the 12th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. I don't know if they're as popular these days as they were in my youth, but I know that many of you have heard of 4-H clubs. Any of you belong to a 4-H club or volunteer in a 4-H club? Do you know what the 4-Hs represent? Uh, The answer is in the 4-H pledge. I quote, I pledge my head to clearer thinking, my heart to greater loyalty, my hands to larger service, and my health to better living for my club, community, country, and world. Many in our congregation have benefited from their association with 4-H clubs and these admirable goals. This morning, we're going to think about some H's, but not the head, heart, hands, and health of 4-H clubs. We're going to think about H's that we share as the people of God. Here's the first three. Our heritage of faith, our home with a living God, and our hope our ultimate hope in Jesus Christ. The fourth H will come at the end of the sermon because I want to save it for my concluding remarks. Let's think about our heritage of faith. As people of God, that's the sermon theme today. We have a holy, precious, profound heritage. When you read your Bible, when you go to a class and study the Old or New Testaments, The people we meet in Scripture are not just some characters in a story from long ago. They are, in fact, our people. Those people in the Bible are your people. They are our spiritual family. Our holy heritage goes back to the very beginning of creation itself, to our first parents, Eve and Adam. It continues as God moves throughout the ages with the calling of Abraham, Moses, Peter, and Paul. It includes strong women of faith like Sarah, Ruth, Mary, and Priscilla. Our heritage is a wonderful thing. It's filled with people who have striven to do God's will in their time. And their courage and obedience should inspire us to be courageous and obedient to the will of the Lord in times like these. Our people in our heritage, in our family tree, are those whose lives have been shaped, guided, and blessed by the Word of God. For God speaks His living Word to each and every generation. Martin Luther, in his great hymn, said that God's Word is our great heritage. Think about that word, heritage. You can hear how it refers to that which we have inherited from the ages past, our heritage. And you and I have received, we have inherited so much from the faithful who've gone before us. Our heritage is replete with heroes and heroines, 
ordinary people like you and me, ordinary saints baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus who were moved oftentimes to extraordinary courage, not because they were so brave or strong within themselves, but they demonstrated extraordinary discipleship by the power of God's word at work in their hearts and their minds. Our reading today from Hebrews reminds us that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Those witnesses are the faithful who serve the Lord in their day. They have finished the race. And now they cheer for us. They encourage us as we run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Included in that great cloud of witnesses are men and women who participated in the very first worship service of Faith Lutheran Church when some of you were just children and when many of us, myself included, were not even born. I can't help but be moved, profoundly moved, when I think about our heritage here at Faith in this part of the body of Christ, as I think on those 37 men, women, and children who gathered for worship in a rented storefront on Manal Boulevard in 1955. Now, most of those original 37 have died, including the founding pastor, the Reverend Garland Gutowski. I had the joy of meeting him face-to-face at our 50th anniversary as a congregation in 2005. I was so humbled and blessed to be in his presence. Small man, big heart. Faithful heart. How many, including Pastor Gutowski, how many of those original 37 in rented property could have guessed that their congregation would become the largest Lutheran fellowship in the entire state of New Mexico? How many of them in that rented storefront could have foreseen a new location in this beautiful sanctuary with a spectacular panoramic view of our beloved Sandia Mountains? I do know this. Those 37 chose to be faithful in their time, in their place. And the Lord blessed and multiplied their witness with growth and change that was, I think, unimaginable to any of them. So God does not expect us to know or predict everything about faith 60 years from now, not even six years. The future of this congregation is his business. But the Lord does call you and does call me to be faithful to him in this present moment calls us to be attentive to his word in times like these, no matter the cost. For what we do now, what we do now shapes the heritage of those who will follow us. What will they say about our witness in the year of our Lord, 2016? And what we fail to do will shape their heritage as well. As people of God, we have a holy heritage and we have the promise of a home, an eternal home with God. The Lord has chosen to make his dwelling place with us. 
The Lord has chosen to make sinners like you and me his very own sons and daughters, not through anything that we've done, but through his perfect, amazing grace. And the Lord promises to be with us every step of the journey as we run that race to the finish line. Think about this. Your truest home is the church. Your true home is not your current mailing address, which is subject to change. Our true eternal home is the church, and that's not this building, but the living church, which is the fellowship of all the servants of God throughout the ages, united in love, the love we know in the crucified and risen Christ. And in the beginning of John's gospel, we are told that God has chosen to make his home with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you know that the original language of that word dwelt is the word became flesh and pitched its tent among us. You know, a pitched tent is not a permanent place, right? A tent is designed to be packed up and able to be transported. It represents a people on the move, nomads, if you will. God chose to make his home among us until we reach our final home, and that's his kingdom. And that word made flesh that pitched its tent among us is Jesus the Christ. And do you know that in God's word, Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends? Jesus is your friend. And he died for you so you could live with him forever. When the people this side of heaven who do not yet know the Lord in the fullness of his grace and mercy speak of death, they often speak of it as the end of the line, end of story. But for God's people, our earthly death is not the ending. It's simply a transition to a greater glory. Jesus promised to prepare a place for every single one of us in the Father's house. So you don't have to speculate. You don't have to wonder where you're going when you die. Jesus has taken care of that. He's promised you that. Which leads us to the third H, and that is the hope we share in Christ the Lord. There are many reasons to feel hopeless these days. I know, you know, there are many things to be concerned about given the situation in the world today. There is no lack of Concern. There's no lack of issues and problems to keep us awake at night. Some are global and spreading, like Islamic terrorism. Did you hear the news about yet another suicide bomber, this time at a wedding celebration in Turkey? Fifty dead, up to a hundred wounded. The suicide bomber they think was 13 years of age? Now, there's plenty to make us feel hopeless. And some of those things are personal. Your health. 
your marriage, the situation at work, what's going on with your children and grandchildren, the things you're dealing with, with your aging parents. But you see, as God's people, we are bound to hope, not just in good times and happy times, but even in troubling and challenging times. Because we know that no matter how all these situations turn out, the macro and the micro, the global and the personal, God is God, God is sovereign, Jesus is Lord, and not even the gates of hell shall prevail against his church. And his church is not a human institution, it's the people of God. Now when some hear about the promise which comes from God, that at the end of history, he'll have the final word. Some think that that gives us permission to just disconnect from the world around us, to withdraw in resignation with hands thrown in the air, or that we can ignore personal responsibilities to our families, to our greater community, because everything will turn out just fine in the end, no matter what we do. But you see, that's not the witness of Scripture. It's not the witness of the saints who've gone before us. Christians are called in every age to be right there in the thick of things, living out our faith by the way in which we choose to love others in such hateful times, treasuring the love that we have received from Jesus Christ himself, knowing all the while that God's kingdom is our eternal home. So in the meantime, we do our best at everything to give glory to the King of Kings. As people of God, we live out our faith at work, at home, at school, for the sake of the world, knowing the future is securely in God's hands, not our own. So we do our best wherever God has planted us, whatever season of life in which you find yourself, knowing full well that Christ will come again as King of kings and Lord of lords, and then you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Okay, the fourth H has to do for honor. And some of you know that I'm about to head out on sabbatical. I'm going to be away for a while. So even though it's summertime, I decided to get a little dressed up today. I'm honored to be known. I'm honored to be known as a fellow servant of Jesus Christ with you in this congregation. I am honored to be your pastor. Since 1984, I have served four congregations. The previous three certainly include special people who helped create some special memories for my family and me. But I have to tell you, this congregation stands alone in terms of commitment to Christ and its relentless mission-mindedness. Your church council represents some of the strongest, most dedicated Christian leaders I've ever known. They love the Lord. They take our mission seriously. They hold your pastors accountable, and we hold them accountable. That's the way it works in the body of Christ. Iron sharpens iron. They understand our calling to lead as many people to Christ as we can by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. And this fourth H of honor has two other smaller components. Not smaller, just sub-points. Yes, I'm honored to be your pastor, and I just want to say this for the record. I'm honored to be the husband of one of your staff members named Kirsten. 
Some of you know that recently we enjoyed a trek down memory lane, went back to the Midwest, visited the college where I first saw her across the distance in the student union cafeteria. Two years later, I had the courage to ask her out. She's my wife, she's our partner in ministry. She was by my side in seminary when our entire furniture collection consisted of a futon mattress without frame, a card table, and two folding metal chairs. Kirsten Wilder is a Christian woman of deep faith. She is a patient wife who's had to wait and watch for God to soften the often hard heart of her husband. And she's a servant of the Lord, and I thank God for her. And here's the other component when it comes to honor. I hope, friends in Christ, that you are honored to be part of this congregation. We don't claim to be perfect here at Faith. We never claim to be the best church in Albuquerque or the only church in the city in which God's word is proclaimed faithfully. Some congregations make that claim. Lord, have mercy. There are many places, there are many pulpits where the word of God is preached in its power and truth in this city, in Rio Rancho. But I am grateful to be part of what God's doing in this fellowship. We have so much for which to be thankful. So much good is accomplished within these walls, week in and week out, week after week. And so much good is accomplished outside these walls through our ministries and missions that have grown almost exponentially since we were set free and joined LCMC. I hope you share that sense of gratitude and that sense of honor, not pride, just honor to be part of what God's doing. As people of the Lord, I hope you seek to honor God in what you say and do when you are away from this sanctuary. I know that the overwhelming majority of you will never step behind a pulpit. You'll never do that. But you share a sermon of sorts every week when others are watching you and listening to you as the story of your faith unfolds before their eyes. Well, back to that pledge of 4-H. Maybe it's a good reminder of who we are as people of God and who we strive to be as sons and daughters of the living Lord. So, with apologies to 4-H, I'm going to tweak it a bit. As a servant of the Lord, I want my head to be informed by the word of God. I want my heart to reflect the love of Jesus. I want my hands to be used in service to my Father in heaven. I want my health to be something for which I never take for granted. Yet even when my health declines, I know my eternal home is with Jesus my Savior. Where there will be no more sickness, no more death, no more crying anymore. Where he makes all things new including me, including you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.